There's a word from the Lord this morning that is found in the book of Joel, the Old Testament prophet of Joel, the second chapter, verses 25 through 28. The book of Joel is an interesting, powerful book consisting of only three chapters, but so powerful, so unique. Amen. Biblical scholars would tell you perhaps it is probably one of the most unique of all of the prophetic writings. It is used by Peter on the day of Pentecost. It is quoted throughout the New Testament. Amen. There's a word from the Lord for those of us today. I need to ask you a question before we share the text. How many of you have ever gone through something? something major, catastrophe in your life, something that just knocked you back, almost took you out. Now this is the one Sunday you can be transparent. Amen. Tell folk you don't look like the outfit you got on. Amen. You listen. How many of you know that Beyond, beneath your outfit is a testimony. Somebody who almost did not make it, but God. I sense the anointing of God in this place. This is a season in which God is speaking to us about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. Second chapter, beginning at the 25th verse, the New King James Version is the, is the version that we are sharing from this day. Verse 25, God speaks through it, the prophet by the name of Joel who speaks to the nation of Israel. He says in verse 25, so I will restore to you the years. Somebody just shout years. See, some of us, the devil hasn't just started messing with us. There's some folk in here, the devil's been messing with you a long time, amen. But God says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, chewing demons, some some of you had some demons that just got a hold of you and just start chewing and nagging and chewing demons. Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you <laughs> and my people shall never be put to shame. Verse 27, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterwards somebody just shout after this that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and the church said amen quickly reach over and catch someone by the hand. Amen. Amen. Hold those hands. This is a word from God to us today. Amen. Squeeze those hands. Look at someone. Say, from devastation to restoration to celebration. Uh, somebody ought to clap those hands and give God a hand of praise. Mm. Seated in the presence of the Lord. This is a message for every chewing, crawling demon, every creeping demon, every 
hater in your life from devastation to restoration to celebration amen somebody know you will celebrate <laughs> amen you will rejoice again listen it is said that sometimes in life sometimes in this journey that we refer to as life some of our greatest blessings and I need you to listen to this because God, God spoke very clearly to me and said this. He says, sometimes in life, some of our greatest blessings comes as a result of some of our most painful experiences. I, I know I'm not by myself, but is there a witness in here? Some of your most painful experiences have produced some of your greatest blessings. Look at somebody and say, I needed that. You needed what you went through. Listen, I have come to the realization that what we in life often calls a setback, what we often call a crisis, what we sometimes refer to as a horrible back-against-the-wall situation is often the very thing that leads to your success. <laughs> Trouble sometimes elevates us more than prosperity. There are some folk, if they had not been in a certain situation they would not be where they are here today I am sure that we all at some point in our lives have heard the idiom the expression that says no pain no gain amen somebody and here, here's what I and I said to the church this morning that I, I've come to realize um, Deacon Wesley, that there, there's, there's some folk in, in our generation, the generation after us, they just don't believe in pain. That's why we have so many people hook on opioids and stuff, and pain medicine. They just, they can't take anything. Like old folk used to hop around and I'd be all right. And they, and they, and they, they had a lot of topical things. They would put on it, the rub on it, just Put this little green alcohol on me, son. I'll be all right. And grandmama still hopped to church. And now we got folk who feel pain, they think, coming on. And we, and we pop pills even before the pain comes. <laughs> who am I preaching to? We just don't think we ought to ever have any discomfort. Amen. And I know that the usually consistent pain is a sign that something is wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about some days you just don't feel as good as other days. You got to understand that it is a part of life. Throughout the Bible, many great and powerful testimonies have been birthed out of what seem to have been some very painful and difficult situations. You can go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelations and you will find countless number of stories of people who, who were blessed and their lives were turned around because of what was a painful situation. Uh, Joseph comes to mind. Joseph who eventually became the governor of Egypt. But that only happened after a painful situation. Before he became governor, he was betrayed, rejected, sold into slavery by his own brothers. Before he became governor, he was lied on by Potiphar's wife, placed in a prison and a dungeon. But God wasn't through with him. God told me to tell you that your painful situations don't end with a period. For you know the dot, dot, dot means it continues. 
God says it continues, that, that, that it's not over yet. Oh, somebody ought to encourage someone sitting next to you and just tell them it isn't over yet. Don't, don't, don't act like it's over yet. Don't act as if you're going to end this way. Somehow about Joseph and, 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 and the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, McGee who is one of my great uh, um, uh, authors, he, he used to do uh, walk through the Bible. Many of you that have an older generation perhaps heard him on the radio. He writes a powerful commentary that you can download on your iPad called Through the Bible. The, the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee uh, says that, that, that Joseph never gave up because he knew what his dream said. My Sunday school teachers, Mother Bradley just caught this. Everybody can't catch this, but let me break it down for those of you that are in Bible 101. Okay? Joseph's dream said as a young man at age 17 that I'm going to be blessed and my brothers will bow down to me and God's going to exalt me. So somehow when you're in a dungeon, you have to remember what God has promised you. <laughs> Dr. J. Vernon McGee says, Joseph's testimony could not have ended in the dungeon or the pit because the dream would not have been fulfilled. How many of you know that God has said something over your life and God has spoken over your family and look at somebody and say, it can't end this way. It can't end. Uh, this way. You've got to trust God. And so God turned Joseph's situation from the pit to the dungeon. Joseph ended up in the governor. You know that iconic verse in Genesis when Joseph's brothers come back and bow down to him and Joseph says to his brothers, don't worship me. Stand up. I am not in the place of God. Then he says these most powerful words, for what you meant for evil. God intended it for my good. Somebody ought to go to work tomorrow and tell that demon that's been trying to destroy you what you thought would take me out. God will use it to elevate me. And what some people think will end you, God say it's just going to bless you. Someone ought to put those hands together give God a hand of praise. And then, second example that comes to mind is a powerful sister from Moab by the name of Sister Ruth. Ruth, Ruth, powerful, dark-skinned sister from Moab that God blessed. Ruth found herself in a crisis. Her husband had died. She, living with her mother-in-law, there was a famine in the land. The mother-in-law had to go back to her homeland just to survive. Ruth had decided that I made a pledge to my mother-in-law, so I'm going to follow her. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. But she went back to a desolate, a barren place where, where she had nothing and had no place to live. And Ruth, having lost everything, uh, found herself living off the leftovers. Ooh. I need to preach this because there's some roofs in the house that are living off the leftovers. But God said, that's your process, not your destiny. Somebody just caught it. It's what you've got to go through, but it's not where you're going to end up. So here is Ruth living off the leftovers. Minding her own business, not trying to hook up with no man, no relationship. God has gave me a job of taking care of my mother-in-law. That's a lesson for somebody that we ought to teach just to some single folk in here. You know, see, we got it all wrong. We got it all wrong. Preachers get up and they come and make you holler and shout. Ruth found her Boaz. Ruth didn't find Boaz because she wasn't even looking for Boaz problem with this generation, too many folk are looking for Boaz. You ought to look for J-E-S-U-S and then you can find B-O-A-Z. That's another sermon for another day. But Boaz saw Ruth. Am I right about it? 
And Ruth, she, Boaz did not see Ruth after she had gotten the nails done and hair done and after she was all glossed up, made up, and after she was getting ready to go to the ball the night. No, she was out there in the fields with her crusted hands in the dirty soil, picking what was left. But when God's got something for you, you ain't got to be dressed up for God to bless you up. God, God said, I can find you wherever you are. You got to stop looking for stuff and look to God and watch God hook you up. Painful situation of Ruth was why she ended up with Boaz. If she had not followed Naomi back to her homeland, if she had not been out there in the fields picking leftovers, Boaz never would have noticed her. But because of that situation, God used it to bless Ruth. And she ended up marrying the richest, most prominent man in all the land simply because she focused on God. David having lost everything in a place called Ziglag. David not only recovered it all, but the Bible says David ended up with his enemies stuff. Ooh, you know the story. His men threatened to stone David. And the Bible said David went to the Lord and said, what am I going to do? Should I sit still? Should I sit here and mope and moan and have a pity party? Or should I get up and pursue? And God says, go pursue it, for thou shalt recover it. Oh, and the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Now, if, if, they, if the Amalekites had not burnt down Ziglag, then David never would have ended up with the abundance that he did. So sometimes, somebody better catch this. Look at somebody say, don't miss this. Sometimes your enemies do you a favor. <laughs> There's some haters in your life that you ought to send a thank you note to and say, you have just done me a favor for what you thought would take me out actually took me up. And if it wasn't for your hating ways, perhaps I would never have ended up where I am. Now, somebody ought to take a praise break, take a pause right now. Think of one thing that God did despite what your enemies tried to do and clap those hands and give God your best praise and, and, and give God from the depths of your belly, Shabbat the Lord. Woo. Listen, I need to get this quote in because this is the quote that perhaps blessed me during the whole preparation for this message. God said to me, and thank you to the media team upstairs, oftentimes we are blessed more by the stuff we lose than by the things we fight to hold on to. Who in the world am I preaching to this morning? Can I say that again? I'm going to slow this down and say sometimes, in fact, y'all help me tell somebody, look at somebody and say, sometimes we're blessed more by the stuff we lose than the things we hold on to. You thought you could not afford to live without it or him or her. And God said, baby, you haven't even started living. You just started living when he left you. When the relationship fell apart, when, when you lost the job, God says, I turned it around. You thought it was detrimental to yourself. And God said, no, it built your character. Because when you lose some things, whoo, you are blessed by the cannot preach. Y'all, y'all don't believe me. Let me get a biblical reference. Philippians 3 and verse 7. Paul understood this. Paul writes these most profound words. He said, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Then he says, I count all things lost. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, you 
got to learn. I, I learned this. I, I came to real. You've got to celebrate the things you've lost. You've got to celebrate the hurt and the pain and the agony and the discomfort and all of that. Come on, anybody can celebrate the things that make you feel good and the people that make you feel good about yourself and they're all up there kissing and hugging all on you. But sometimes the best thing that ever happened to you is that God take the two-faced that fake no good people and no good things and just relocate them and just take them out of your atmosphere and so changes the environment and you thought you couldn't live without them what you realized you didn't start living until God did something different in your life look at somebody and say get ready for a major change in your life God says when you lose some things that's when I come in Paul also writes in Romans 8, 28, he says this, he says, and we know that all things, oh, and we know that God, his, that all, King James said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God or those who are the called according to his purpose. Look at somebody and speak this, don't say it if you don't mean it, tell them it's working out. Tell them it's working out. It eventually works for your good. Anybody know that it's working out for your good? Even, e even the devastation that you've just encountered is working for your good. And now we get to the text. We've set it up for the text. Now you get to the text. Second chapter of the book of Joel. That prophetic writing of the prophet Joel. Three chapters uh, in this really small book, powerful prophetic book, messianic uh, in its mission. Peter quotes it on the day of Pentecost. Uh, it was powerful because it had a uniqueness that perhaps no other Old Testament prophet, prophetic book had. Joel, in just three short chapters, had what is known as the bicameral approach, two-headed approach. Chapters 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 17, he talks about what they had experienced. And he uses the devastation of that day. Talk about what they had gone through. God uses a prophetic word because God says your situation changed. I see, sometimes it goes from good to bad to worse even before it gets better. Amen, somebody. And such is the case because God had to teach the people of Israel a lesson. God had done so much for them, brought them out of bondage, done so many wonderful things for them, and now they have forgotten about God. Listen to this. Sometimes we all cannot handle success. There are some of us that the worst thing God can ever do is to bless us before we can handle it. Nothing is worse uh, than a shadow person with a great blessing at the wrong time. You'll catch that in the parking lot. Because if you're not deep enough to handle what God is doing and it doesn't change you, if, if you don't change your circle or change the way you act, uh, just because you got a little more money now than what you had before, living in a different community now than what you used to live in, work a different job now, you act different. You know, some folk just that way. They, they just act different. Well, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting this way? Uh, because, see, some folk forget where God has brought them from. Such was the case with the people of Israel. They forgot the other side of the track. Can I tell you something? Don't you ever forget the other side of the track. Don't you ever forget uh, the communities that God has brought you from. In fact, you ought to always go back and tell God thank you and say, God, I'm here to help others. I'm here to be a blessing because God is good all that. And God sometimes bring you up just to send you back. Somebody just caught it. So the people of God, do I have time to preach this? So the people of God are backslidden. Prophet referred to them as backsliding heifers. One prophet said, you are like a whore under every green tree. That every, everything you see, you want to go after. You want to be a part of everything, every new thing that come in town, you want to be it. Every organization you want to be, you want to be all up in folks for the gods that I've delivered you from, you want to emulate them. 
how come we who've been delivered by God, when God blesses us and does things for us, we want to go back and we want to assimilate ourselves with them without even talking about the goodness of God. And such was the case. People of Israel began to worship idol gods. They forgot the God who gave them houses they did not build. They forgot the God who gave them vineyards they did not plant. They forgot the God who made their fields to grow. Let me tell you this. This was something that, uh, that I read that was so powerful. In all the years I've studied the Old Testament, it never uh, dawned on me this. There was a difference between the land of Egypt and the land of Palestine. See, Egypt's soil was fertile. Wow, let me preach this. Because Egypt had in its midst rivers uh, that, that, that irrigated the soil. They had the Nile, they had the Euphrates, they had the Tigris rivers. And so oftentimes the farmers didn't have much to do. They would plant their crop and even Deacon Clarence in a drought, they can dig a trench and the water from underneath would flow. Woo, but God. But God took the people of Israel and said, I'm going to send you to a place that the only way your crops get watered is I've got to send rain. Somebody just caught it. That's the scripture, the latter rain. And the only way you, Israel, can be blessed, Sal, I've got to send rain. You can plant the crops all you want, but you don't have the Euphrates, the Tigris. You don't have the Nile River running through your land. All you got is the messed up Jordan River uh, that's muddy and dirty and all the time. But, but so if you're going to be blessed, one man planted another in water, but God gives the increase. God said you can plant all the crops you want, but the only way you can reap a harvest, somebody throw your hands up and say, send the rain. And I'm convinced that God did this, Pastor Lawson, so that Israel could totally depend on God. You're not like the Egyptians. You don't have natural irrigation. If you are going to be blessed, it's going to be when I send the rain. And then God says, and what happens when the crop are in the field? And then a natural catastrophe happens. What happens when the locusts and all of them come? And here's even worse. What about when God sends it? We give the devil too much credit. <laughs> Everything goes wrong in our life. Well, the devil did it. Now, sometimes God sends trouble just to knock you off your high horse and touch your nappy head and get you in order and says, come on. Come on, I, you, I, I remember before you can get your hair done every week. I, I remember how you were before when you didn't have everything. Come on, somebody say, but God. And here's what happens. Ooh, chapter 1 of the book of Joel, the New Living Translation. It says this. And because there, there, there are three things, and we'll deal with this in depth on Tuesday night, that happens in the book of Joel. One, the devastation. Two, the promise of restoration and three, the celebration. Here's the devastation. God says in, in chapter one, verse two, God says this word uh, to them, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. Now listen to this question. In all your history, has anything like this happened before? God says, you have never seen anything like this before. Tell your children, verse 3, about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass this story down from generations to generation. Let me tell you what happened. Verse 4 sums it up. New Living Translation, chapter number 1. After the cutting locusts finish eating your crops, the swarming locusts took what was left. <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm, I'm going to show you how bad things can get. He says, and after the swarming locusts finished, then came the hopping locusts. Some of you got them in your life too. The folk that just hop all around you. Like hop in, hop out, hop in on Monday, don't see them again until two months later. That's another story. Okay. After the hopping locusts finish with you, woo, then the 
stripping locusts finish you off. Some of you got some closing demons in your life. After their friends, the earlier demons finished with you, they came just to finish you off. I came to strip what was left. God said this was a horrible time in the people of Israel. And then he moves to verse number two. In verse num chapter number two, chapter two, we switch from New Living Translation to the New King James Version. Uh, and it says this, because then God has to teach them that something is good. God says a day of darkness and gloomness, a day of cloud and thick darkness. Uh, it is bad like you've never seen before, nor will there ever be anything such as this. In other words, God says, I did this to teach you something. Now drop down to verse 12 of chapter 2, New King James Version. He says, now, therefore, says the Lord. This is why he did this. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and mourning. I, I brought devastation to your life to convince you that you need to turn to me. Some of us went through hard times just so we can realize that I really need the Lord on my side. Don't, don't fool me now. How, how many of you went through devastation? You went through a very difficult time in your life, but it taught you a lesson. It taught you that you can live without God. You tried it on your own, but you can't live without. You were all right pimping and, and around and acting all cute and acting all big shot until you hit the wall and, and nothing was there. And all the folk that helped you at one time was nowhere to be around you at this time. But God, sometimes God's got to send a stripping demon hopping demon, a chewing demon. I've got to send things that's going to take everything you've got and I'm going to strip you down. Then you're going to realize that I need the Lord on my side. Woo! Taught you a lesson. Taught you how to pray. Some of you trouble kept you on your knees. If, if your children weren't so active, I, I use that instead of the word B-A-D, but if they weren't so active, you never would have prayed the way you pray now, amen. But God, it kept you praying. It developed a prayer life for you, and you kept in communications with God. That's the devastation. We've gone through some things. Some bad things have happened in our lives. We've lost some things in our life. But God says it's not over yet. There is not a period behind devastation. Somebody ought to be glad it didn't end that way. Ooh. Do me a favor, just look at somebody and say, I'm so glad it did not end that way. I, I am so glad the end of my story was not the worst thing that I've ever went through. Somebody, <laughs> ooh, I feel like somebody is celebrating right now. Because if your life would have ended after you went through the worst thing that you went through, then you would have said, God, somehow that's not fair. But God says, I tell you what I'm going to do, Israel. Then he drops down uh, to verse number 25. And he says, so I will restore unto you the years that the locusts had eaten. Tell somebody for every year, every time, God says I'm going way back in your life. Not just stuff you went through yesterday and last week. Some of you, some demons have been on your case for a long time and God says I'm going to go way back and I'm going to restore unto you all the years you've sown in tears. Some of you've cried late in the midnight hour and God said before it's over, joy comes in the morning. Somebody help me celebrate. Know that God says I will restore unto you. I will restore. Tell somebody God will restore. Woo! Somebody ought to praise God. Glory, somebody ought to join us and praise God. 
Look at somebody say, it doesn't end this way. Woo! Come on, Zion. I'm glad that God has more than a period in his repertoire of punctuation. I'm glad God's got more than question marks. Sometimes God said to be continued. In other words, Sally, that in this way. What you're going through will not refine or define you, but it's going to bless you. Somebody, only those who know that you're going through something and your story will not end this way. I need you to stand to your feet, put your hands together, take about 10 seconds. to celebrate now here's the key this was not the restoration somebody just what was this pastor this was the promise of restoration in other words God said God didn't just give it to them right there God says before you see it I will send you a word and I'm going to test your faith to see if you have enough faith to celebrate the promise. Oh, did somebody get it? I will restore. Not that I have restored. Oh, somebody just catch it again. Look at what God said. You don't have it yet. You don't look like it yet. There's no money in your account yet. Things haven't turned around yet. But what you have is something that only faith walkers can understand. Folks say, why are you so happy? Excuse the English, but you ain't got nothing. Tell them, yes, I do have something, Deacon Smith. I've got a promise from God that things are going to turn around. I need some people of Zion to help me celebrate the promise of God. Get your praise partner. Get your praise partner. And say, neighbor, can you help me celebrate what God is going to do? I don't even have to see it. I, I don't have to touch it. I don't. Somebody help me celebrate. Restoration is coming. Sister Rose, it's coming. It's coming. You don't feel like it now, but God says you will rejoice again. You will smile again. You will... need some praises to help me put a dance on what God is going to do. Come on, here we go. Meet me at the altar. Touch three people. 
say you'll get it back. You will get it back. You will get it back. God will restore it. You'll get your joy back. You will dance again. Celebrate! Celebrate! somebody and say it won't end this way tell them it's not going to end this way you're not going to go out like this you're going to dance again smile again rejoice again leap again God is God will restore God will restore God anybody know that God will give you Everything the enemy thought they stole from you. Come on and meet me at the altar. Leave this seat and flood this altar. Come on and say, I want it back. I want it back. I want it back. I, I, I want. I, 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 I want. I want it. I want my son back. I want my daughter back. Church, come on, church, come on, come on. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Restoration is coming, is coming. Tell somebody it's coming. It's coming. Go home and act like you know it. Go to work tomorrow. Act like you know it. Walk in your wealthy place. Act like God has already turned it around. Where are my praisers? Listen, God says, I will restore the years that you have sown in tears. Amen. All they had was a promise. And you know what God said to me? And I hope this would bless someone. I was over to the charter house trying to focus on this word and God says and Harold here's what God says God says note I couldn't give them the crop they lost because that was gone <laughs> so God God didn't open the mouths of the locusts and say spit out what you took But God says, I'll send you a new crop. Woo. I'll do something, Paulice, that will be better than anything you've ever seen before. Woo. Anybody know God's doing a new thing? 
God's doing something in your life that only God can do. Said the Lord. God says, listen. There's no need. Somebody lift those hands. <laughs> I'm restoring. up from the top. Lend me your ears. Listen, let me listen. Lend me your ears. The said the said the Lord. God says just know that my word is not going to return boy. Your time Again, God says, Lend, lend me, lend me your ear. Ah, thus said, thus said the Lord. Just know that my word will not return. God is speaking prophetically to someone right now. There's no need to fear. Do me a favor, put your arms around somebody. Say, God's restoring the years you've sown. He's restoring the years God says, I am the author. I am the The writer of time. No matter how long. Things are going to work out just fine. Listen, deposit this word you've heard. There's no need to fear. God is restoring. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Listen. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Somebody receive. Everybody just lift those hands. Your broken spirit. Receive. Deposit this word. There's no need to fear. God said I'm that's all right, quiet. I'm restoring. Yeah, one more time. Lift up your hands. Everybody, all the worship. Your broken spirit. Receive. Take the word and deposit it. There's no need. God is a healer. God says, I'm healing you right now. Woo. Listen. God is healing your, your broken heart. God is putting together what the enemy thought they had destroyed. Woo. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Anybody know God is doing it? Yeah, yeah, look. Everybody find somebody and say God's healing you, right? Yeah, yeah. God's doing it right now. I know it hasn't been easy, but I'm healing. again he's putting you back together again I'm healing lift those hands and God's healing Seven of this text is so powerful. God says, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. After you've lost some things, after God has promised to restore them, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass, verse 28, afterward, after this, <laughs> look at somebody and say, after this, God's going to bless your sons and your daughters. <laughs> your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Woo! <laughs> but you've got to go through something to get to this. <laughs> God said, after this, I'll give you a reason to celebrate. But it all begins with a relationship. Woo! Put those arms around somebody. Encourage someone. Here's the question. Do you have such a relationship with God that you can survive the devastation? Are you in such a place with God that you can survive devastation? See, you've heard about the wonderful saints that are here praising God, having lost their loved ones, Teresa on just last week lost her mother, Mother Kelly. Sister Rose, her dear, dear son, only two years after she lost her husband. It's not easy. But a relationship with God, listen, pushes you through your pain. If you don't have, if you just got a church-going relationship, and not an in-depth relationship with God, you can't survive devastation. That's why some folk go through something and you never see them again. I've known people who lost a loved one and they hit the bottle. I don't come to church anymore. I'm mad at God. You never had a relationship that could push you through your pain. Woo! But when you have such a relationship that as difficult as it is to get up in the mornings, you can get up and still come to worship God. God says, that's what I want. So maybe there's someone in here right now. And you're in a painful situation. God told me to do this and you're hurting. I want us to pray for you. I'm restoring the years. Come on. I want you to just leave your seat and 
See, that, that journey from your pew to, your, to the altar is all about faith. Because, see, God can touch you where you are. But when you leave out and walk down the aisles, that's a public demonstration of your faith in God. Somebody right now, you, you're going through something. You need God to do something. And that's right. That's right. Come on, walk down. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Story. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Others are coming right now. I'm restoring. I need you to do this. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm restoring. Associate Pastor Jackson, go stand by Sister English right now and just lay your hands on this to me. Come on, restoring. Restoring. I know it's not easy, but God says I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. You've sown. Amen. Don't wait till she get there before we pray on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've sown. Everybody lift those hands. healing you. I'm putting you back together again. It's been devastating, but it doesn't end this way. <laughs> Somebody know it won't end this way. Amen. <laughs> I'm healing. I can't imagine some pain that some folk are going through. But I know the God I serve will put us back together again. After this prayer, if there is someone in here right now, and I need you to be honest with yourself. And you're not where you ought to be spiritually. You, you need God to do something. God said before the restoration can begin, you need to make sure the relationship is right. After we pray this prayer, you just meet me at the altar if you want to take that next step. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. And your word declareth, and you will restore the years that the locusts had destroyed. Lord, I thank you because uh, whew, some of us are still in that devastation process. We are still trying to deal with this devastation, this great loss. <laughs> but the good news is that you send a promise in the midst of our loss and said, I will turn it around. Ooh. And so we receive that. And because we have received that promise of restoration, we can celebrate. Ooh. We can praise you. Uh, we can lift our hands and bless you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing how you're turning it around. Ooh. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the promise that has already been made. And we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and we give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Put your arms around somebody. Say, God's turning it around for you, right? God will turn it around.
Anyone here want to make that decision today? If you're here and you want that relationship, amen. You want to make that, you want to make, come on, just come up front. God's calling you right now, yes. If you're here and God's calling you, you want, that's right, amen. I, God can do, praise God. Somebody thank God. Look at God. Say, God's doing it. Clap your hands. Somebody else, anyone else? I'm healing you. Come on, God's doing it right now. It's not too late. God's turning it around right. Give God a hand of praise. God bless you. Look at God. Come on, by the way, celebrate. She says she woke up this morning and God says for her to come here. And now she knows why. Clap those hands and give God a hand of praise. Oh, come on, give God a praise.